Hi, and welcome back to the Future of Figure Skating podcast. My name's Anna Keller, and this episode was recorded live from the European Championships in Countess Lithuania. My guest was Johanna Alik. Johanna was a member of the Estonia national team. She skated on the Junior Grand Prix as a single skater, went to Junior Worlds as an ice dancer, and then switched back to singles again before she retired. What I wanted to talk to her about, though, was her career since she's finished competitive skating. She started the company Jiv Sports with her mother. They make figure skating apparel and national team jackets for a number of countries, including the U.S. And she's recently written a book called The Book of Figure Skating, and it is a coffee table book that looks at all different facets of the sport. It includes some of her story, interviews that she's done with different figures in skating, and is full of lots of great information. We had a great time talking in Countess, and I hope that you enjoy the conversation. We're here at the end of the European Championships. Um, I'm joined today by Johanna Alik. Um, really excited to have this conversation. Um, you are figure skater, you're now a business owner and the author of a book, and you have done um, really great things sharing your story and other people's skating stories. Um, but first off, I want to talk a little bit with you about your experience here at Europeans because you're Estonian, you were a competitive skater for Estonia, and we had um, Alexander Selevko winning the first medal at Europeans for an Estonian skater, and then Nina Petrokina earlier this season yeah. making history on the Grand Prix. And so, um, just what has that experience been like for you being here? Have there been celebrations? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for having me. This is very exciting for me as well to sit in the press conference. <laughs> so that's awesome. Thank you. Um, and speaking of Estonian skating, like we've all been on cloud nine since that happened like to also see alexander do it is because i know him for years now like i see i've seen him basically grow up and he's been through like so much both of the brothers have been through so much especially on this season as well he started injured and i mean they're very close with the with michael his brother and his brother lost skates at competitions like there's been so many ups and downs for these two and I know for a fact that I think Sasha, Alexander, yeah. he's had some, like he's 23 and he's been trying to make it for so long. And I think he's maybe had some also like demotivation at times. And then to just have this happen almost in front of a home crowd, like we all stayed up until 3 a.m. Just because we couldn't sleep that night. And we were so excited. like. I t spoke to so many Estonians. I spoke to him. He was up, I, I think, until 4 a.m. Uh, it's just like, it's so wonderful. And it's, of course, we all miss Nina. We hope she, we wish she was here. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, she's healing. She's uh, already working out. And I think she's going on the ice very soon. So I think she'll be at Worlds and she'll prove everyone what she's made of. Because, I mean, that girl is tough. Like, it's what she's been through is this on a whole other level ever since Junior Worlds. And, um, I was also at Skate America witnessing it. And I think for a nation that's 1.3 million people and to have these two shine in the same season is, I mean, honestly, these are like my highlights of my, like what I've seen in skating. Yeah. So 
I think that says something. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And just seeing, um, you know, here, like I was thinking about two of my narratives from Europeans. One is like the amazingness of Estonian and Belgian skating, given these like two small countries, how are they yeah. really growing such amazing figure skaters together? And then the story of persistence also, because I mean, it's obviously when you look at someone like Mateo Guri, say, winning his first European medal at like age 35 and someone who's worked for so long. But I think we can see those, like that story and so many people's um, stories here. So it's definitely very inspiring. That's for sure. And uh, I mean, when it comes to Belgium, I actually live in Belgium. uh, So I'm very close with both of the teams. um, And just to like their situation is even crazier with the rinks and how they train in like four or five different rinks and not knowing where you're going to be the next day is is also just like, it's like mind blowing that like you don't just have a locker at the rink where you keep a skate. Like even that's not normal for them. They have to drive hundreds of kilometers every day to do the sport and to be at that level is just, it's uh, like, I, I can't believe it even, you know, so it, it's crazy. It's really amazing. So how do you explain the sort of rise of Estonian skating? I mean, how, what has it changed from when you were skating? What was your experience like and, you know, compared to what it is for the skaters now? Well, I think, uh, I think what really helped Estonian skating was the opening of that ice rink, the main one that has now held Europeans, junior worlds. Um, so I think because that has created amazing conditions for Estonian skaters. We have uh, two, ve- no, three very nice ice rinks in one rink. There's uh, room for ballet, room a gym. There's enough space to run. There's also like enough space outdoors. Is a great rink, and I think that has helped so much to develop the sport. And secondly, I just think the success of, especially Nina, is just. A collaboration between her team she's been with the same team for uh, god knows how long now definitely over a decade since she was a kid really and and that's just her wanting it a lot and they're just really hard-working people of course there's talent involved but i think in the case of of the really top skaters in estonia now it's just hard work really hard work <laughs> And it's wonderful to see them being able to train in Estonia and working, you know, with Estonian coaches and some of that story as well. Because I think that's often when you see the breakout stars, they're people who have had, who have had to, you know, go train abroad and have had that experience. And so I think early in your skating career, in your sort of first run at singles, you were based in Estonia, but then you also have trained abroad and how do you compare, you know, those different environments that you had? Well, looking back, I um, uh, I think definitely training abroad, it has its advantages. Like, because back then uh, when I was in single skating, skating was very different in Estonia. Then we didn't have the big rink either. And the whole mentality was a little bit different. There wasn't as many coaches and just like the access to information wasn't as broad. So I think I was very lucky to be able to get skills and information from elsewhere, like as I trained also in Moscow uh, with uh, Viktor Kudryavtsev at the time. And and that was really like, the technique that you get from there was amazing. And and then later in Ice Dance to go and train in uh, 
Michigan with back then it was Caitlin Weaver, Andrew Poja, Gabriela and Guillaume right before they went to Montreal. Like, mm -hmm. like I was there training with them. So, so those experiences are of course, like they're so worthy to me. Um, but you can't take away the fact that like, even at the best place, you're still going to be missing home. And I was a young girl at the time. I was still a teenager and, and it wasn't the easiest thing to just try to fit in everywhere. Um, so of course you miss home. And I think that's, uh, that's a really big factor, uh, also for these Estonian skaters that they, they all do go abroad to training camps and, um, like now Misha and Sasha are going to Raphael next week. So they are going, but they go for shorter periods. So they still have the conditions at home to, um, to keep up the work that they have done elsewhere. So, um, that's definitely good for them. Um, but I think it's it's very smart of them to also go elsewhere, but yeah. for shorter periods, of course. Yeah, one of the conversations that I've been having, and I talked um, earlier this week with Bruno Massoso, this is right on in my mind about coaching and about sort of the transfer of knowledge from um, from coaches to skaters, and then what skaters learn throughout their careers, and how there's I think there can be such a benefit to the idea that you know if your coach is great, you admire them, you want to be a coach mm -hmm. like them. Um, which can lead to that transfer of knowledge, but it also could mean that you know, maybe you learn some not so good methods and then you transmit those on to the next generation as well. And so that there's that balance between the breadth of experience as well as um, as moving it on. And so for you as a coach among your many roles, what are some of the things that you feel like you have taken from, you know, from your coaches that you want to emulate or things that you find that you want to be different as a coach? Um, well, I do coaching like it was, I mean, as a skater, it's, it's such a, especially if you're an experienced skater, to be a coach is a very logical thing to do. Um, so I always knew that I like helping out teams with my knowledge and uh, expertise. I never wanted to be a full-time coach. I know it's not for me, um, also because I have so many other things going on. Um, so as I started coaching, I realized quite early on that I, my method is definitely, like I enjoy giving group lessons, but I really want to approach each skater as an individual. I really experienced that in Michigan where I, when I was training with Angelika Krilova and she was someone who was really focusing on each skater individually and that created such a impactful experience for me that I've taken that from there and and really I because after ice dance I went back to single skating <laughs> yeah which I did and and then my coach was actually Elena Klebova who was five years older than me like so that's quite a it was almost like skating with a friend yeah. and when we started working together we decided together that she was going to be more also like a mentor that she would take me as an individual person and so it worked really well with her doing that that that's really my main thing is that I try to look at each athlete individually and and see what their needs are and I think um, technique is something that I know but I prefer that to leave for other people. And I want the skaters to just have a really good experience training with me. That, um, and, and also, I think as a coach, um, of course, all the coaches want their athletes to succeed. But 
I appreciate those coaches who also realize that it's not only about the result. It's more about what type of people you're growing here. You know, are they going to succeed after in life as well? Because you're giving them the life skills, you're guiding them. You're like the main guide. Their parents might not even be as much in the picture, especially the kids that move abroad. So the coach is really responsible for so many things with an athlete. So to give them a positive experience that then later helps them in life to succeed is, uh, I think the impact there is bigger than some coaches might even realize. Yeah, and I think that's the question that I always think about is, you know, are, are coaches prepared and supported for, you know, the, the role that they have outside of getting results and of, you know, training on the ice because they have such a huge impact. And I think, you know, maybe they know that from their own experience as skaters, but that isn't always as talked about coaches. I, I believe that, I mean, uh, the coaches that we have at these events, of course, they know like it all and they've been through also the point where you stop as a competitive skater and then you're like, oh, now what? And then you realize like, oh, okay, my main teacher was my own coach. So you, you take that information in and you try to move it on to your life. But I think uh, there's, um, I, I do see that more and more, especially the newer generation of coaches are thinking about more of that that also the athletes that they uh, raise and and grow, that those athletes would also be good people and successful people, not just in skating, but with everything else, because it is a job also for the athlete. And the better they do, the longer they can stick to it and the longer careers they have. You know, and you're saying about, you know, the impact of training abroad and of having that kind of high performing life when you're often really young, I think is one of the things that is not unique to skating, but it's definitely particular to skating that um, there are those demands on people when they're so young. And so, um, you know, thinking about the your experience and what you've seen from other people, there can be good aspects that can come from having that unusual experience and some things that are challenging. Would you talk a little bit about, I guess, the, the pros and cons that you see of having such an unusual un life with, in such a, with such a young age and the pressures that that can put on? Uh, I mean, um, my experience is solely based on figure skating, so I yeah. can't really compare with any other sport per se. Uh, but... Um, to be honest, I think it's, um, for one, I think it starts a lot from the federation. I think the federations should really uh, make it more about uh, trying to give not just a skating ed education, but life education to these athletes as well, um, so that they can, first of all, keep the skating career for longer because we need intelligent, smart athletes who also understand that their health is their biggest asset. So they remain healthy for longer, hence they do the sport for longer. Um, and, and I think that really starts a lot from the federation and the coaches. So like instead of trying to get that medal as quickly as possible, that's not really always the case. Like that's not the way to do it. And I think uh, um, it's, uh, it's really like, I find it almost terrible that we are trying to make champions out of very, very young people. 
Um, and I don't find it right because, I mean, there's way too many examples of young champions that the next year are out of the picture. They're gone. They We don't know what many of them are doing today. And it's just sad because when they become champions, they generate so much attention, so many fans, and people want to see them. That's what the audience wants. They want to like see their skaters. They want to see them on and on. And because they're the people that come to these events, like we need these people around. And I think uh, uh, now seeing Luna, she's now in, like entered her third cycle, Olympic cycle, mm-hmm. and and like I don't think people can even realize how difficult it is actually for her to remain at the level she is with her. She's in no way near being old, but she is one of the older skaters. And to remain at that level, the work she puts in, the work the whole team puts in to keep her healthy. And like, there's no issue in motivation. She has a whole ring size of motivation, but to keep herself healthy and, and at that level is in, it's tremendous pressure. And, and, but I think she has, especially in Belgium, the, uh, the amount of new skaters and the amount of popularity she's brought to the sport is immense. And I think that is one of the biggest values that these skaters can provide for the sport is staying in it and, and really like sort of, and I think they want to stay in it as well, but, uh, but it, it's really difficult. And, uh, but I think these last years have kind of, they've changed skating a lot because of the whole scene has changed, you know, and there's been a lot of down, downfall, so to speak, with also like, I think the popular popularity in some senses has really gone down because we've lost a big chunk of skating world, yeah. which is kind of closed off now. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think it's been a bit refreshing as well. Um, so yeah, the, it's, it's um, my opinion is that I think skaters should stick around as long as they can. We have Denise Vestilliams as well. Like there's, there's many skaters that are sticking around for longer because they they enjoy it and they change their mindset as well. They just want to enjoy it and give it to the audience because the the energy you get back is just, you don't get it anywhere else in life afterwards. So I think that's important to support them. <laughs> and just the, I think about this all the time as I get, I'm lucky to get to know different skaters, the people that I've come to know, you know, more. And then even just the people that I, you know, see in the mix zone and like appreciating them as human beings as well and wanting to have that part of the story you know you get to see their evolution as athletes and as storytellers on the ice and what they can do over the course of a career but um i think being able to understand them as you know as human beings and sometimes Mm, i always am so happy to see some of the people who are have that level of experience and have that you know as they get older able to reflect a little bit more on where you know where they've come from I, you know, it's often can be fun to talk to the 15 year olds, but I'm always trying to say, no, it's okay. You're allowed to say something other than I'm very happy with how I skated, but I'll do better next time. And, you know, I try to get them to talk about their pets sometimes because yeah. it's just, you know, kind of remember like, well, we, we do want to see you as that you are a human being. Um, so yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, the fact that we, I think this is where social media comes in as well, that the athletes do have a way of actually sharing their life uh, behind behind the ice, you know, like they can show what's going on in their life and, 
and that's what the fans want. Like I, I'm also in some skating channels on like Telegram and I see how much they're posting, like trying to get the little like behind the scenes shot from a skater and they go wild for that. Like they want to see that. And, and, and I get it. Like it's, it's so interesting because you see the skater put on the show, but you know that there's a person there. And, and if you know that, oh, like actually Ilya Malinin loves doing Rubik's Cubics in his free time, like you wouldn't yeah. ever guess that, but you, like, when I interviewed him for the book, he's like, yeah, I like doing origami and Rubik's Cubics. Like, how cool is that? Like, can, can we see that? Please, like, bring your cubic. Like, do yeah, it. Like, yeah. I want to, you know? And it's so cool because then you, you, you feel like you can relate to the guy. Like, they don't seem that far off anymore. Like, they seem just humans. And, and, that's, and that's also lovely about the sport that, as you said before as well, like, you can see that we can actually all be friends here and we're all in the same boat and we're all just people, like, who love the same thing. You know? Yeah, I think that's the thing that surprised me the most. The first time that I went to a competition was seeing all of the camaraderie backstage and the way that mm. athletes all do get to know each other and support each other. It doesn't mean that everyone's like best friends, but there's just, there's a huge amount of of respect, and that is, um, yeah, I think that's a really nice thing. And you know, when there's, I think it's interesting I, in some ways watching. Go off a little tangent, and I'll, I'll I'll circle back to where I was planning to take this, but there's. Um, I've been thinking a lot about like how skating is marketed and the ways mm-hmm. that we tell the story to people outside of the skating world and how it doesn't always fit so neatly into maybe a typical sports narrative where you know you drive interest through driving rivalries and you, you know mm-hmm. talking up like competition and like mm-hmm. a very kind of aggressive like way of framing sports and like not that that can't be part of the story but um, I think there's so much more that's interesting to me certainly about the personal journey of each skater. And as I get to recognize the way that skaters can be incredibly motivated, incredibly competitive, but also supporting each other is, I don't know, for me, that makes it more interesting. And I wish more of that went into how we talk about the sport externally as well. Exactly. I mean, people love the drama. Drama is what like sells partly, but I I agree on this because I do see that, especially now, also that, they're taking selfies during the galas and on the podium and like and that really brings people together and and I think I I think as you mentioned marketing I think there's so much more that can be done there and also to offer maybe a bit more accessibility to the audience to like why not have autograph sessions like actually like have them and and you know like just because I feel like you see the skater for those four minutes and then when they're in the kiss and cry and that's it like like we want more we want more of you guys and and I think the skaters even when you've had a bad skate to get that recognition after like the fans still love you and you get that after it really helps you stay motivated but if you're like performing for an empty audience and and the audience isn't there because the tickets are too expensive or something like like that's not motivating for skaters. Like they don't do it for that. They love to entertain. We're entertainers. So we need the crowd. And yeah. and of course, if there's some drama, let there be some drama. But at the end of the day, you see happy, genuinely happy people. And like th- there's nothing better than that. It's like watching happy puppies on YouTube. Like that's amazing. Like who wouldn't like that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's the way I felt seeing the Italian team last night all like dancing and jumping around. It was like, yeah, I mean, 
you you want to support them because you want to share in that and happiness and so then that's yeah it's a really lovely thing yeah i want to circle back to what you were saying about you know having the life of a career and um young athletes and all of this because it seems like one of the biggest issues is when skaters i think especially girls hit that point of puberty mm-hmm. and um there's that time pressure it's like oh well you have to achieve what you can achieve before you know before your body changes or it might all be over and that with that comes some can come so many negative mm-hmm. things and one of the things I've seen is like more discussion about that recently. I think more awareness, but I know that's something that you've talked about and you've put in some into your book and just um, you're thinking about, you know, what as skaters go through that particular period of their lives that well, gosh, the transitional age, not just for women, also for men, it's, uh, I mean, they don't call it transitional for no reason. It's it's uh, like, first of all, your body is doing things that like you can't control for one. And I think that's something that these young girls need to learn early on is that when it starts happening, you can't really control it. It's hormones. Like just learn how to deal with your hormones and like just breathe through it. Because you can't control it. So that's one. But at the same time, it's also your mind is is like every day you wake up and you have a whole new mood or like a thought. Like one day you want to skate, the next day you don't. Then you pop a jump. Then you want to, you hate skating. Then you love skating. And then you're like, I want to do it the rest of my life. But it is so much going on. And, and it's, and, and at the same time to try to go out there and put out good skates, you have the pressure of your country on your shoulders basically to perform and it's just it's immense for a young person and it and, and it can really transform you for life like that's how it was for me and I still to this day think I was very lucky with how I formed as a human with all the experience that I had but it could have gone very different ways and and I think it's so important that the people you have around you would also under like, if not understand, but at least relate or try to understand what's going on. And I think uh, that's when, like, that's really one of the most important things as a coach that you need to, like, understand that this girl who's becoming a woman or this boy who's becoming a guy, what they're going through is like, like nobody can really understand because they don't understand. So just give them time, you know, and and if they're great and if they do great at that time, awesome. But to me, I am definitely like hands down. I have so much respect for every athlete over like 20 women, especially who are sticking, staying, getting better and bringing new aspects to the sport, because as you become a woman, you do actually start appreciating different things about skating as well. I think in the beginning, it's much more about the tricks, the, the, the jumps, the triples, the quads, all that, which is great. Like it's a huge part of skating. We need that as well. But as they evolve, become more feminine and start actually offering new aspects to skating, trying out new styles. I think that is really like to just for a skater to show so many different facets of them throughout their career, like they go from maybe being fully classical, then trying out different 
like disco music, different genres. It is so fun to see skaters evolve. And that's how they get fans sticking to them as well. And I think that's a very, like, Sasha Salevko is also a very good example of that because he's been around for a while. And he's someone who's done so many different styles. And of course, Luna is, is like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to skate a four minute program with these triple jumps skating to Vogue. It is like, honestly, I think the duck walk that she does like down on her knees with the voguing at the very end of the program might be the most impressive thing in the whole program. The fact that she has the like strength and energy at the end to yeah. be able to do that. Well, that's adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I do hope, and I think I, I see it as well. I think the judges do realize it as well that skating to uh, a classical piece for minutes is very different than skating to fast-paced music with energy and expression. That is that doesn't come easy. That's not like I'm gonna smile now. That's not like that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it's great to see that how she's been pushing the boundaries in that way, and just like I, that's a conversation that people have been having all season. I feel like every person, like whether they like or don't those programs for this year mm-hmm. like as personal style i think everyone really appreciates yeah. what she's doing by i think that's it. really her, her goal as well as is to really push the boundaries and and show and uh, what can be done and i think that for her it was really like uh doing shows was really what helped her realize that actually she is able to do that and 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 i think uh, more skaters will follow that uh, track as well because it's fun for yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you said something in one of your YouTube videos that I thought was so insightful that I actually wrote it down, um, which was the that um, if you feel insecure about your body and you don't have anyone to turn to, that that is where, like, for you, some of the issues that you dealt with around eating disorders were coming from that moment in your life and that that it can be the turning point for so many people. And just that really made me think about it's this combination of maybe what's going on in your life, in your body and the environment that you're in. And but especially the importance of that support network that you, you know, that you do or don't have at mm-hmm. that time. And so. You know, it's a it's a hard topic and something you've been really open about, and I really admire that. Um, and there's a bit of this paradox, I think, sometimes with skating, where there's both the normalization and also the shame around um, talking about you know, about eating disorders, about um, any of these behaviors and the struggles that skaters are going through. And so, why did you want to? to share your story and would you talk a little bit about, you know, for you, how, I guess, how you felt in the, the culture of skating, um, talking about mm-hmm. this as you? Um, well, to start off from my experience now with the coaches I have worked with or have talked to over the, over time in the last years, I feel like the, it's changed a lot. The whole body issue topic, I think, so much more effort is being put onto healthy eating and good nutrition and that's admirable and i'm really happy to see that um of course when i was a teenager the times were very different and i had a very much during especially my first years of skating and my teenage years i had a very russian school type of training system 
which uh, definitely grew me as a person, a very tough person. But uh, that's not always great to be so tough. And I mean, uh, like we already know it. It was it was so normal to get like shamed from for your body, like constantly from left and right. Like you look like an elephant. Like oh, are you really gonna eat that? Like. That, that was just like, you thought that was normal. Like that was our reality. And it still is in many cases, the reality. Um, and it really, like, especially when you're going through that whole like transitional age where every day is different, like someone calling you an elephant can really leave a mark. And like, I still remember it to this day. That's, I remember the exact moment when, where one person called me an elephant. Like, I don't think, I don't think I'm an elephant. Obviously and I love elephants, so it's not really something that like, like, I don't wake up in the morning today and I'm like, okay, Joe, today we're going to eat healthy because we don't want to become elephants. Like, it's not, has not, nothing like that. But it's stuck with me. And and mm-hmm. um, and there are people who that one sentence can really derail them. And it can change the whole course of their life, their career. It, it can have such big um, uh, results afterwards. And so that was definitely something that... Uh, um was one of the real reasons I wanted to speak openly about this because today I, I have no shame about everything that happened. I, I've learned enough about nutrition today and and I I had the experience of being also a healthy skater where I really focused on my nutrition and I saw what it did to my energy levels and all that. So so it was really important for me to just speak about it openly. I had some skaters approach me after and who I spoke to and I think it helped them and and I did put it in the book as well because it's just um, whether we like it or not I don't think this problem will quite go away fully from skating um, so you know, it kind of is what it is but I think if we talk about it then then more and more people will realize that especially today we have access to all types of foods and and I mean, I'm not saying supplements are great, but uh, but like there's supplements. There's so much information today that you can get to be healthy and nutritious. But 20, 15 years ago, it wasn't really the case yet, especially in some countries like in Estonia. Like that was a time when I wasn't really Googling things either. So, you know, you go, you just like test things that like kind of work or don't. So, yeah. yeah. So at least times have changed. We're more modern now. Now we can actually look up like, oh, what will happen if I'm anorexic? Like back then, like you're not going to go up to your teacher in school, like, hey, what's going to happen if I don't eat for one week? Like, you know, now at least we can look it up on our own. And if we're if we're like shelled a bit, we don't want to speak to other people. At least we can deal with it a bit more internally before we speak to others. But of course, having coaches or people around you that have this mindset that, uh, uh, you cannot gain any weight, like, um, that's not going to help you. Like, it's not going to build any trust between you and the teacher, the coach either. So, yeah, yeah you know, I, I always think about that. And I think it's one of the things that keeps a lot of people from you know, engaging with skating as athletes or as fans, even because if you think that someone is suffering and making themselves you know, unhealthy for the sake of you know, being able to do a triple jump or being able to look a certain way, you know, that's not worth it. They don't want to be part of, you know, making that happen in people's lives, happening in kids' lives, you know, any of that. And so, um, you know, I think that question is like, you know, are the, are the, re- are the results worth it um, for, you know, putting people through that? And so that's something I wished um, 
you know, I think trying to have people in the broader skating world, you know, say that as well and to have, um, you know, to make it clear to, you know, to skaters and there's a role for everybody, federations, everybody in, in that, that, um, yeah, that we don't want you to destroy your life um, for the sake of a result. Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is that singles, pairs, ice stands, like the most competitive parts of figure skating, you do need a specific, not need, but it helps you to have a specific physique for it. It really does. There's no denying that. Like, as if you're strong and fast and light, it's like the magic combo. And it goes like this for all sports. Each sport has a specific body type that will help that athlete succeed more. So that, that's a fact. And, and, and that's why it's also like not everyone is that. But I think what's like so, what baffles me to this day is how much it's forced on kids who maybe they're not, they're really not supposed to be doing jumps or lifts. Maybe they're supposed to be doing synchro. And, and after, and when I was researching for my book, like, of course, I'm so much in the world of uh, singles and I, I'm so much in this, but I'm, I'm also aware of synchro and I'm aware of other sorts of genres of skating. But when I was researching for my book, I really like, it opened up a whole new like world for me, which I was so happy to find. And I'm like really glad I included it all in my book because that that's like today, my big drive is to, especially when I work with kids as well. And when I see the kid is really like a teen person, she like, she wants to communicate. She wants a team around her. She's, she's someone who really doesn't care so much about the jumping. She just really wants to skate and she wants to compete. Go synchro. Go there. You'll have 15 friends right away, like, and you'll be happy. And what's the big problem? Like, and that's the thing, like, many of us, I don't think we're supposed to, we're, if we like skating, skate, but you don't have to try for the uh, for the top level, uh, it's fine. You know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful in life. Yeah, yeah, and that that diversity of different approaches to skating. It's like the more the more options that we have, and the more different ways of doing skating there are, then the more and the more different people will have in it. You know, for that's a, that you know from from every perspective. Yeah. Um, that that's the. the chicken and egg or virtuous cycle or whatever of it is is around that and um you know i think that's going to be super interesting to see what um what solo dance does as another discipline and synchro and i mean we're we're struggling sometimes because it's like we want to have all of these different options and then skating is also kind of a small world and how do we make you know make space and resources for all of these different options but um being able to have so many of different things included is super important and I've had conversations with people who would like to see even in singles to try to see um you know a a, a different form of judging so that there might be um an option to Mm -hmm. let you know some skaters might be prioritizing their jumps and that's their strength some skaters might be prioritizing other things and that's their strength and to be able to kind of allow for you know, more diversity or changes over a career or that kind of thing and yeah. keep people in the sport. So yeah. I think that I'm hearing these conversations from 
almost everybody right now. I don't know if anyone has the answer, but yeah. there's, there's definitely a lot of searching happening. And, um, yeah, and I think that's admirable. There's many people who are really just out of their passion, going out of their way to make space for more skating to be able to happen, um, which is just so great. And I think with social media as well, social media is helping it reach people. So, so that's really great. And But I still believe that because of figure skating being the Olympic sport, it's definitely the driving force for it. So we need to take care of this to make sure that this isn't only related to doping drama or injuries and all the bad stuff that is a part of it to make it seem as if it's not all bad, you know, <laughs> come, come skate with us. And then if you don't like this, you can try this. If you don't like that, you can try that in skating. Like there's so many different facets to it. And, and, um, and so I think it's, it's really a collaboration between all the different parts of skating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's such a great transition to talking about your book as well, because I feel like this is what you're doing with your book stuff in show us. <laughs> The book of figure skating, it is so beautiful, um, which I, that sounds, that's not a superficial thing because like you're saying, being able to talk about and show the many different sides and the positive sides of figure skating is really fantastic. So tell us a little bit about where this book came from and your process and how it's been received. Well, the book, why it looks the way it does was also like, I don't know if it's seen on the video, but it's a bit like a, um, off white very light pinkish cover with like rose gold foil and that was also like I I as soon like this was the first design I did for the cover and immediately I was like this is it like yes because I wanted already the cover to represent like the the purity and the beauty that skating is but also it's glitzy it's glamorous it's 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 shiny it's sparky so I wanted like as soon as you hold it you're like that skating like to me, that's what it represents. Like, there's of course different colors, and I and afterwards I did try different designs for it. But I was like, like imagining an empty ice and someone skating over it with like a rose gold line behind them. Of course, that's not possible. But I was like, that's what it looks like. So anyway, that's how the like the design came to it. But generally, this book has been in the making for like like a decade. I would say like this is like my life's work right here. And um, there's been many different forms of this book that I've tried in my brain and also on paper um, but none of them didn't quite feel like that's exactly what I want to do because I've had some people tell me back in the day that like you should write about your experience and and I just felt like I can I'm able to provide more value if I cover more and and also uh, being able to make it aesthetic and beautiful I think that's something that was basically I would say missing a little bit because uh, I, I obviously researched and and I and I was and I've been looking for a book like this because I love coffee table books yeah. like beautiful visually attractive things and and I'm a very visual person so there's not quite anything like this uh, made for figure skating and I really wanted to create something that is not only for the athletes but but that I wanted everyone to feel included and I wanted the fans to also have something that is like a beautiful memorabilia for them. Like the people who bought it here, they asked like, can you please put the date and the location as well? Cause they like would put it on their shelf. And then every time they look at it, like it was like, when I went to Gaunas Europeans, like they make the connection. And that's exactly what I wanted this book to do. 
and um and i mean there's been like i think over 300 hours that i've put to this in 2023 like that's i did it last year um and uh it's been just like such a well one it was a very stressful period of my life doing this because there's so much work that had to go into this um but at the same time it's been so rewarding because all the people i spoke to for this book basically all of them were my first choices like i made when i was thinking of who i want to speak to um they the fact that they all agreed was first of all i'm so like grateful for all of them but to be able to make these interviews and talk to them was also so eye-opening for me. I wanted to make sure that what I talked to them about is also something that maybe they haven't spoken to, uh, spoken about yet. So I wanted to provide new stuff in it. It's all original interviews. And, and there's like simpler parts like beauty and makeup, which is a huge part of skating. So I brought that in here. Uh, it's just like a fun, beautiful part of the book. And then of course I was like, so how do I balance it out with the bad topics? So I interviewed um, a nutritionist in Estonia who's worked with figure skaters and aesthetic sports. And she she was kind enough to give me a very open interview about eating disorders. And really, I bluntly like asked in the book and I asked how, like, what is it with these skaters who it almost seemingly overnight, like, become women like how does that ph phenomenon happen because yeah. we it almost feels like that you know how you have this tiny skater and then in a snap they become women because and and she explained it very like uh, openly to me that that's actually like it is a bit she sees it more in skating happen and that's because we keep ourselves so like on low calories and really really tiny and then at one point our body just doesn't can't take it anymore they need to expand somewhere and that like and it was crazy that this interview was like like i wish i had that interview when i was about to go through this period so so i think this interview and the whole um chapter about puberty and weight management is like this is like a custom customized for figure skating mm -hmm. and i don't think there's an interview like that really out there so that's super unique and and there's a small part about me as well and I think what I've heard from feedback from people is that the first chapter about me really like connects it all together like the rest of the book makes so much sense because of my story as well so yeah and and it's 300 pages it has all original photos oh there's I think like five photos that are not mine all the rest was specifically made for the book all the texts were made uh by me I had an editor who helped me all the design illustrations are made by another figure skater and the photos were taken by a figure skater which is something also that like I hope people see that you know these other two girls that helped me they're also figure skaters but now they've done photos and they become a part of something big like this so so the goal of the book with all that I've said is also to inspire skaters to find their spot in the world of figure skating like you can start a podcast and, and make it your career you can write a book and make that your like mm -hmm. who you are like that's really who I am now and uh and there's so many other things you don't need to become a judge or a coach per se there's so many other things you can do and, and there's many examples of that in this book
people taking their all of that creative passion that they have and maybe that they were able to show on the ice but that and then that that doesn't have to be over when you're done competing or done performing and finding other outlets for it no it's it's so beautiful and i think um like you said having something that is really accessible um that this is something that you know that young people could look through and find you know the the start of information um and be exposed to so many different ideas that they can go learn more about in the world so i think it you know it's beautiful i really hope people are like buying it and giving it to the figure skaters in their lives or you know all yeah i mean uh, i think like this is like a long-term project i believe at one point many skaters will have this and and i think it, it is as you said it's a really good guide as well and it it's I, I wanted people, like especially the, the teenagers, when they read it, to kind of feel that I'm like their friend, that like because I went all through all that, that that they can find some answers here. Because I know how it feels to be a teenager. You don't really want to talk to anybody about your problems. So when you read this, you might be like, oh, Luna actually had the exact same thing, and look at her now, like, and that's kind of nice, you know, <laughs> to know that okay, she's normal too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that idea that just you know that. Yes, there is like there can be this, you know, time pressure and you want, you know, you want to, everyone is getting so driven and, you know, to be a competitive athlete, to dedicate that much of your life, people, you have to be, you know, somebody who is very good at, you know, controlling everything and having it be, um, you know, keeping yourself very disciplined and very driven and all of those things. But I think it's also nice to have that balance of, it's okay if not everything happens all at once for you, that there's life after, you know, yeah, after competition, that, you know, all of those things, like hopefully that um, can help to, to, to balance, um, you know, with that drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so you I are also here with your company, Jibs Ford. And so I wanted to say a little bit about how, that part of your life and what you do, um, you know, has influenced your your thinking and your um, you know your life post skating. Well, the brand was founded by my mother twenty years ago. Now it was it's two thousand two that she did it, and and her inspiration was to really give me the skating clothes because I didn't have anything, and at that point there was really no brands around for like even sportswear wasn't like it was post-Soviet in Estonia so there wasn't that much to get so she was sewing me some things and she was like okay I'll I'll make the brand like because other kids want it as well now yeah. so so that's how it started and then when I quit um, my competitive career was when I really like joined full-time and I think uh, that is probably one of the biggest like support systems for me uh, going from competitive skater to transitioning to normal life the fact that I had that sort of a parachute to land with is is like like now that I've spoken to skaters uh I spoke to for example Sara Furtado yesterday who is now one year out of the competitive mm-hmm. skating and she she had a great career and she even she said she's like one day she wakes up she's like okay I'm doing great I have students like my life is set and then the other day you wake up and you're like oh my god like I just did like dedicated my whole life to competing and now all my friends have kids and I'm just starting life like it's it's such a shock so I was very lucky to have the brand and and I I 
it's really for me, even though it's my job, it's really for me more even like a passion because I, I can see like that has given me a sort of platform to still help skating. Like we have helped sponsored and helped so many skating teams. Uh, this year we uh, gave the whole Ukrainian team clothing. We wanted to give all of them, but they were so humble that they didn't even accept as much as we wanted to give them. So I hope, I hope that next season we'll be able to provide more for them. Um, so we gave all the Ukrainian team their clothing. We've done Team USA we're sponsoring this year. So, I mean, these are maybe to the outside, they don't even seem as big because it's just a jacket. But to us, it's like, and I think for the team as well, to have their like team wear made by a skating company is special. And and uh, to me, to just have this like, that that's really given me a platform. And like this book wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have the brand to sort of help me sell it for for one and yeah. uh um and our goal really is to well of course um build a company and and make sure we reach a lot of people with our product because it is a really good product that we have like our leggings and uh are made from materials that are just really specific to figure skating um but at the same time we love skating so much that being at the events and and supporting here and We've been supporting the Estonian skaters for years now and, and seeing them succeed, you feel like you're a bit of a part of their success so and history. So there's nothing better than that. Yes, that's so great. And I think, you know, I first was, had heard about um, the company because of um, what Ashley Wagner was doing, mm -hmm. making yeah. some um, skate and sculpt things. And mm -hmm. so like just, you know, seeing it show up and, you know, in all these ways from the national teams mm -hmm. to um, things that people can buy and feel like they are, you know, are supported in having that, um, you know, clothing that's made for them as skaters, and all, all part of the, the sport feeling important and big. And, and, you know, and, and that's another, another way to again, show that I wasn't someone who was like I was in the national team, but I was definitely not at the top level. And that's fine. Like when I was still competing, I still had this attitude, like I'm not going to be anything in my life if I don't make it to the Olympics. Like that, that is the attitude many of us have. But then during my career, I already let go like, okay, Olympics is not going to happen. I think it was also because we didn't even have a spot there or something. So I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. So you need to like figure out your stuff before you quit so that the, and I had a good support system to really face me with the hard facts as well. They were like, once this is over, you're going to like have to like start a life. And, and I think my example is a great example of someone who also has made a career out of like, I wasn't the highest level skater, but I'm here and, and I'm continuing to work and I, and I hope to keep working and sharing my passion and, and at least having a small impact on the sport is, is all I want, you know? Oh, that's kind of nice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so wonderful. Um, well, I'm so happy that I got to talk to you here, and it's such a pleasure to be able to do it in person. Yeah, to um, get to see the book and everything. Um, I always like to ask at the end if there's anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure to talk about or re-emphasize, or you know, the really broad question about what your hope is for the future of figure skating. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think I had the last question. I had to, yeah. hey, what is the future of figure yes. skating? Right? Um, so, and I was on my way here, I was even thinking, like, if she asked that, what am I going to yeah. say? <laughs> um, so, and I couldn't really come up with a great answer. So I think I'm just going to say that uh, I think the future 
there is a future for figure skating, which is the most important. At one point, I did have this feeling like, like, what is the future? Because because there's so much going on in the world that uh, just like, where are we going going with this? But being here in Kaunas, seeing the audiences and, and how this event went, I think the future is, I really believe that this sport is only going to get bigger. And I think it's going to be built on people who think the same way and have the same vision for the future. I think the new generation of coaches are really tackling a new uh, strong era of strong athletes. And um, well, that makes me very happy and I'm happy to just be along for the ride. So thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Like I feel so, uh, I feel so happy to be here, and uh, I'm happy that you're doing this podcast as well. So thank you so much. Thank you again to Johanna for the conversation. As always, the episode transcript and more resources are linked in the show notes. If you're listening to this as a podcast, remember you can also check out the video episode at the Future Figure Skating YouTube channel. You can also follow Johanna on Instagram at Johanna Alik and check out her YouTube channel at Johanna Alik 7. You can order the book of figure skating at jivsport.com. That's J-I-V-sport.com. You can reach me with comments or suggestions for topics and people I should talk to by email at fsfuturepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at futurefspodcast. Thanks for this episode. Go to Ivan Daniluk for editing and technical assistance and to the ISU and Europeans organizing team for letting us use the press conference room. If you appreciate the podcast, you can also support my work with a tip jar at futureoffigureskating.pinecast.co. Remember to subscribe and review on whatever platform you use and share it with your friends.